waiting for our blessed hope. What is that? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, I'm going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be gone. I won't have time to say goodbye. I'm going to be gone. Then that's why I'm singing this song. I'm going to be gone and it won't be long. I'm going to be gone. For this old world ain't getting better. Every day it's getting worse. So much fighting and confusion going on down here on earth. But I won't let it bother me, cause I'm not here to stay. The Lord is going to call me home and I'll be called away, for I'm going to be gone. In the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be gone. I won't have time to say goodbye, I'm gonna be gone, and that's why I'm singing this song, I'm gonna be gone, and it won't be long, I'm gonna be gone, oh I'm gonna be gone, and it won't be long, I'm gonna be gone. Good day, good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast devotees and followers. The great Matt Geib has returned to the podcast airways after a long, long break. I was out of circulation, it looks like about eight months, trying to improve what I was doing here on the podcast, and also uh, I just needed a break. And so I'm back. And It's so important today what I'm going to be talking to you about. I have some other things in mind now that I believe I've improved the podcast some. I'm I'm going to be um, getting into those things in the weeks and months ahead. And uh, I'm going to be going into something today that, that excites me. But a couple months ago, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been on my radar. And maybe by the the sounds of that old song that I kind of sang for you a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about our blessed hope, the rapture of the church. That's what I want to talk about today. I think it's so very, very important, especially with some things that I have seen that have come up recently that really concern me. I am a teacher of the Word, for those of you that may not know uh, I started this podcast, the Kingdom Corner podcast, in 2019. So I have been here for well over a hundred podcast episodes. Almost, I was starting my fourth year when I pulled this down, October of uh, 2022, and now we are here in, in summer now of 2023. Uh, so I've been here, and I've always been a teacher of the word. I always use a lot of scripture. I have over 40 years teaching in, in, in the Word of God. God called me to be a teacher when I was 15, 16 years old. And in fact, we're going to pull those scriptures out today and just look at them for uh, a minute before we get into the regular lesson, uh, the rapture of the church, our blessed hope. I want to just pull these scriptures out because I do want to make reference to these things because I think 
these scriptures, these these anchor scriptures that God gave me to call me into a teaching and preaching ministry when I was but 16 years old are very, very important to what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, I didn't even have them typed up on my notes, so I have them in the Bible here. Just I turn to them. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. This is my favorite New Testament scripture, my favorite passage in the Word of God here. I believe still after all these years, and I want to talk to you and share with you Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your heart, or the eyes of your understanding, I like the eyes of your heart, be enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You might know the hope of his calling, the glory of his inheritance in you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That inheritance includes calling you to himself in the rapture of the church. And then the other scripture I must pull out, the other one that God gave me when I was 16 years old. I won't read all of it. I had what's called a Jeremiah calling. Jeremiah is my favorite prophet in the Old Testament. And I just want to read you this portion of Scripture, Jeremiah 1.9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set over the nations, set you over the nations, and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. See, Jeremiah was set over the nations to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. And that's the same calling God gave me over 50 years ago as a teacher to the body of Christ, to root out, to pull down, to destroy. That's not something I enjoy doing. I like the building and the planting. That's always been my favorite. But sometimes as a teacher in the Word of God, as a minister that's anointed by God, we have to come in and we have to pull down uh, lies and things that are not being taught right in order that we can come back in and plant good seed in the good soil. And part of this teaching is a pulling down and a destroying of, I believe, what is recently reared its ugly head in the church, and that is the idea that there's no rapture or that it's all metaphorical. And I want to address that in these lessons. I believe, I thought at first this would be one lesson, but there's just so much here to go over. And I am a man that believes in going over Scripture by Scripture in the Word of God and showing you all the way through the scriptures, that something is is true. I don't want to just pull something out of context. So we're talking about the rapture of the church, our blessed hope. And the very first scripture I want to read that talks about this is Titus 2, 12 to 13. And this is Paul talking to one of his ministers that he put into the ministry, Titus, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. I want to read verse 13 again. Waiting for our blessed hope. What is that? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know when he returns in the rapture, so many people think, you know, and I've studied it out when I was a younger man, that, you know, he's coming back, he's going to come from the clouds, and there's some truth to that, but that really speaks of the second coming more than the rapture. This word appearing means he's just going to appear. It's like I'm sitting here teaching you from my office today at my desk, poof, he would appear. As one of my friends says, another wonderful teacher, friend of mine, in a moment of uncut time, uncut, you can't even measure it. It's going to be so quick that he's going to appear and we're going to appear with him. All right. It's not going to be some, you know, long trip up to heaven. It's going to be faster than I just snapped my fingers. Blessed are those who hear and keep what is written. All right. That's another passage we'll go into in a minute. But I wanted to start off there with waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Our blessed hope, the rapture of the church. Let's give you a few more introductory scriptures, introduction scriptures here. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one to 52 Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, in uncut time, we're going to be changed at that last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Amen? Revelation 1, 1 to 3. The revelation, the apocalypse is what the Greek word is. The uncovering, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place, that, uh, that revelation, that word apocalypse is also another scripture that portends to the rapture. He's going to appear. He's going to be unveiled. He's going to be revealed in a moment of uncut time that you can't even measure. Uh, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to do the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are you if you're reading that book of Revelation, that prophecy to John on the Isle of Patmos, that revelation, again, that's a rapture word. It's something that happens in a moment of uncut time. It's revealed. The curtain's are drawn back, and there is Jesus Christ in that revelation. And the, uh, the book of Revelation is a number of metaphorical visions that John saw of end-time events leading up to the rapture in the book of Revelation. Revelation 22.7, Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You have to know the prophecy. You have to know the words in the book of Revelation. You have to understand them in order to keep them, okay? And we're going to be uncovering that in the next week or two, or episode or two, I should say. But there is a problem. There is a problem. We're talking about the rapture of the church, our blessed hope. But the reason why I'm addressing this today 
is the other side of it is I have to pull down, I have to root out, I have to destroy and come against some of the teachings that are recently I've seen come forth in a church in the last two or three years. And then most recently, I've seen some major spirit-filled groups begin to address their take on the book of Revelation, and they are seeing it now as nothing more than something basically metaphorical. We're going to get into that a little bit, but I want to give you some scriptures about this problem. Second Peter 2, 1-3, false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophets or teachers among you who will secretly bring in destroying or destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing unto themselves swift destruction. All right? That's one scripture. It goes on. They will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not one that is asleep. They're going to bring these words of destruction, and I believe these teachings about the rapture, about there not being a rapture, that it's all just a metaphor, I believe it is false. I believe it can be destructive. Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Matthew 24, 24, for there shall arise false Christs, false prophets that shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch so that if it were possible the very elect could be deceived, okay? That's how serious I believe this issue is. If you're not looking for that blessed hope, if, you you know, hope, uh, faith is a thing that we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And if you don't have that hope, you're not looking for it. You're not looking for that evidence of the rapture. And you may just not be a part of it if you don't have that hope. It was given to us as a blessed hope, so it's a promise that we could look forward to. Acts 20, 29 to 30. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves, this is what Paul is saying, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. There's twisted thoughts on the scriptures today that is out there that's being taught that is wrong. Okay, and a good teacher, a called teacher, an anointed teacher of the Word of God, an anointed pastor will address these things. That's why I'm addressing them. Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition and ideas, according to elemental spirits. Yes, there's spirits, there's deceiving spirits behind these false teachings of the world, and not according to Christ. And then I'm going to give you some other scriptures that you can go look up for yourselves. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3-12. to 1 Timothy 4, 1-3. to 2 Timothy 3, 1-9. to 2 Timothy 4, 3. And 1 John 4, 1. They all address this idea of the problem of false teachers of false doctrine coming in to deceive the very elect in the church. I believe that's what we're talking about, and I'm going to give it a definition. This is something that I learned about two, three years ago, but it just recently came to the forefront. I mean, in this podcast, what I want to do is I wanted to go back into, and I will, 
I was starting a series when we we had taken the podcast down. Besides interviewing people from every so often, I wanted to start a series in Psalms and teach that, and I still do. But sometimes we have to stop and address these very important issues in the church. And this is one such issue. First of all, I want to define the problem. What am I talking about specifically? Let's give this a name. And I want, I want to first give a shout out to two friends of mine that are wonderful, marvelous teachers. And they're the kind of teachers that I want to be like when I grow up. The first one is Pastor Jamie Hansen uh, here in my own area of Sumner, Washington. Pastor Jamie Hansen. A lot of what I'm going to share with you in this teaching today came from his research. He's such a thorough teacher of the Word of God, such a wonderful man of God. And my old pastor, who now lives in Florida, uh, another wonderful teacher and pastor, another great teacher of the Word of God. I'm going to give you some information that he specifically sent me. This issue that we're talking about that is come into the church in regard to end-time events, which I believe is not right, is called preterism. Preterism. P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-M. Preterism. And this is from Pastor Chris Bassett. Preterism is the belief that the prophecies of Christ and of John's revelation were fulfilled in 70 AD at the siege and destruction of Jerusalem. That's in Matthew 24. You can read all about that. And they believe that that's already been fulfilled because Jerusalem was destroyed there. Full preterism is the belief that all of those prophecies were fulfilled in total, including the second coming of Jesus in power or in a parousia. And we're going to study that word parousia in a while. Partial preterism, and this is where many of my friends Even gentlemen that I went to Bible college with and others of my friends have gone into a lot of what I call partial preterism. It's the belief that many, if not most, of the prophecies were fulfilled in 70 AD, but not all of them. Partial preterists vary from those who believe all was fulfilled except the second coming. These will call themselves preterists, and I believe that's where a lot of my friends are. Believe all these things have been fulfilled, or they're just metaphorical. The only thing that's left to come about is the second coming of Christ. There's no rapture, it's all a metaphor. Um, Partial preterists vary from those who believe all was fulfilled except the second coming. These call themselves preterists. To us futurists who believe only about half of the prophecies were fulfilled, with the end-time scenario of the Great Tribulation, the Rapture, the Second Coming, the Millennial Kingdom, and more are yet to be fulfilled. We're the futurists. I would call myself a futurist. We only believe half these prophecies were fulfilled. That's what my friend Chris is addressing here. Most futurists believe there was a partial fulfillment. See, that's what I believe in 70 AD, with some of it being just a foreshadowing of end-time events, fulfillment to come of the prophecy of 70 AD. Most who call themselves preterists do not believe in the rapture. Okay, I want to talk about 70 AD for just a second. My idea of Matthew 24, where it talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, is that is a what we would have called, a, as a theologian, a double prophecy, meaning there are 
things in that prophecy that were filled, fulfilled, I'm sorry, in 70 AD, and there are things that are yet to be fulfilled in the future. In other words, it had a fulfillment in 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans at that time, but there's more that's going to be fulfilled out of that passage, uh, specifically Matthew 24 you want to read, in the future uh, that make up the end-time events. All right. There's many various viewpoints of, of these ideas on preterism. And a lot of uh, some of these groups, uh, like some main ones that I know of now, I won't name names, about eschatological events, eschatological, that's how you say it, events, they believe, like I said, that especially the book of Revelation, that it's all just a metaphor, that they're all just uh, typological uh, visions, you know, there are pretty some pretty wild things there, talking about dragons and and the beast and things like that. That that's all just typological of something that's not really going to happen, but it's just all typological of, um, you know, it represents something that's not a literal thing. You know, where I could show you as we go on, maybe as we get into this more, we could show you what those things represent. They are literal. They're more than just a story. They're more than just a metaphor of something. Uh, they represent literal things. The The dragon represents uh, the Antichrist or represents Satan, as it were. And I don't want to get off into that today. I think a lot of these um, groups now are getting into this because they think so many people are going to be so focused on getting out of here for the rapture, escaping all that's happening. And we know uh, the way things have gone the last three years in our society, I believe evil and all these things have accelerated more and more. And they, so they think, oh, so many Christians are just focused on getting out of here in the rapture, escaping all this. And their their focus is not on the establishing the kingdom here on earth. But I'm one to tell you that we can do both, that we can do both. I'm not, as a futurist, as one who believes in the rapture of Jesus Christ, I'm not looking to escape these things and, and, and get out of here. Yes, eventually, but I'm looking to bring the kingdom message and see there will be, I believe, revival as well. And I don't know how all that comes together, but I believe there can be a great falling away of many saints, like it talks about in Thessalonians, as well as revival at the same time. I'm kind of getting away from my notes, and I want to finish up a few things today. The next point I want to make, we talked about preterism. We talked about what that is and how they've given up the idea of a literal rapture. They only believe in a second coming. They believed all these things were fulfilled in 70 AD. But I, of course, do not believe that. I want to give you, and then either today or in the another episode, we'll go into it really from the Scriptures, because I want to prove things by the Scripture. I don't want to just tell you this is how Matt Geib sees it. But I believe these things are found and proven by Scripture, and we're going to get into that. But I want to give you a scriptural definition of the rapture, a scriptural definition of the rapture from my great pastor and teacher. He's just a just a consummate teacher of the gospel, Jamie Hansen. Props to Jamie Hansen. I, I wrote down this meaning this definition that he put together and synthesized from his study of scripture, and I think it's really good. 
The rapture is an instantaneous resurrection of the overcoming Old Testament and New Testament saints who have died, and the instant snatching up also of the living, overcoming believers on the earth, who all together as a group meet Jesus in the air and are taken to the throne of God, who will remain for him, with him, I'm sorry, forever, notwithstanding coming back with him at the second coming to rule and reign with him in the millennium. Okay, during this event, all the dead and living are caught up in uncut time, as Jamie says, a time that can't even really be clocked, probably, that fast, receiving new glorified bodies that are the same as the spirit-glorified body of Christ. This will occur prior to what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. This event will also be instantaneous, remember, uncut time, and visible to all who are not caught up. Shall we close with that today? The scriptural definition of the rapture um, from my great friend and pastor teacher Jamie Hansen. The rapture is the instantaneous resurrection of the overcoming Old Testament and New Testament saints who have died and the instant snatching up, remember, uncut time, also of the living, overcoming believers on the earth who all together as a group meet Jesus in the air and are taken to the throne of God, who will remain with him forever, notwithstanding, that is, coming back with him at the second coming to rule and reign with him in the millennium. During this event, all the dead and living are caught up, receiving new glorified bodies that are the same as the spirit-glorified body of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 50 through about 52, you can read about that. Good scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 52, the Spirit-glorified body of Christ. This will also all occur, I'm sorry, prior to what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. This event will also be instantaneous and visible to all who are not caught up. So, let's ask the question. Is there biblical precedence for such an outrageous event where people are just caught up in a moment of uncut time? Is there biblical precedence for that? Yes, there is. Genesis 5, 21 to 24. Genesis 5, 21 to 24. When Enoch lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Isn't that amazing? Enoch, Genesis 5, 24, walked with God and was not, for God took him. The first precedence of rapture in the Scripture Enoch was here for one second, and then poof, in a moment of uncut time, he was gone. Read through Genesis 5. Read those genealogies. All, it goes through there, a long list. It almost gets boring. This man was born, had children, then he died. Then he had children, and he died. Then this man was born, and he died. So on and so forth, all the way down till we get to Enoch, who walked with God and was not. Second Kings 2, 9 through 11. 
2 Kings 2, 9-11 When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I will do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit fall upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up. He was caught up by a whirlwind unto heaven. Isn't that exciting? Just like that, he was gone. Acts 1, 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, that's Jesus, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by him in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This is Jesus who was taken up. I believe the word there is a word we'll look at that is harpazo in the Greek. It means to be snatched up. He was taken up from you into heaven. will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's going to come that same way in a moment of uncut time, right? Then this one, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed, or we shall all be changed in the moment. Remember the song I sang? In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment of uncut time, which you can't even measure at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. The blessed hope of the church we've been reading about today, and I even sang about it. The rapture is meant to fill you with outrageous hope. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The rapture will be the substance of something we're hoping for, we're looking forward to, right? It is positive. It is glorious. It is not meant to be scary or gloomy. It is not meant to worry you with thoughts of, am I worthy enough to make it? It's a promise that God has given to you. The blessed hope, the blessed hope, my friend, is a promise to you. And with that, we'll close today. Father, we just look to you in the name of Jesus. We ask that you take these passages, these thoughts that I've shared, and plant it deep inside the hearts and minds of those that listen today, tomorrow, in the future. Give them this hope. Make this hope come alive. Uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It, it's, it's a promise that comes by faith. And we look to you because you are a good God that bring good things to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.